Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. If you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can contact us at www.yourstorymatters.net. Today we are interviewing Tom Kramer. He's a triathlete and founder of Racing to Register. Hi, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I know that you had met through another uh, one of our guests, Rajesh Dabral, who had finished the Ironman, and he is a three-time amputee and just an amazing man with an incredible amount of courage and persistence. How did you come about starting your career being a triathlete? Well, I mean, if we go back, probably go back to 1993, I had always been an athlete, I suppose. I went to uh, college on the East Coast, and I, I was a swimmer and a soccer player, and after school, I got into running, and, and back in 1992-93, triathlon was what I call an underground sport. It wasn't terribly popular, and it uh, wasn't as widespread as it is now. They didn't have the varying distances that they have, uh, the shorter distances. So I got into it basically because I knew some folks who were uh, starting to get into it and running and swimming, and, and uh, the only sport I hadn't done was was biking, and so we put those together and, and I uh, started to go to regional races and and uh, that's kind of how I initially got into it was just through other folks and uh, I suppose as of, yeah, I took a few years off due to injuries um, but I've probably done about over, well over 50 races around the world at this point. Wow, that's amazing. Now were there things from your past even going back to your childhood that helped you to have that sort of discipline and perseverance, if you will, because of course not everyone can go out there and do all of those things and have mm-hmm. the um, commitment and the and the discipline needed. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say to the listeners about that? Well, it's interesting because and we'll get into it, I suppose, in a minute. But through through my uh, charity, one of the things I do when I speak, and you know, I like to speak as much as anybody will have us come out and speak. So, if you're interested, go to our website when we're done and let me know. But part of what I talked about is the fact that anybody can do anything they put their minds to. I'm a I'm a believer that, you know, if you take baby steps, you can do anything you want to do. I never thought I'd do the Ironman in Hawaii, but I did, and I, I never thought in a million years I could put all of those together. But I think that if, if somebody has the courage to step out of their comfort zone and has a commitment to a cause, they can do anything. I was fortunate in that I uh, developed that uh, very early on, and I, I kind of credit my mom. I, she actually literally got us going off of the diving board swimming when I was about 18 months old. Mm-hmm. So uh, she got us in the water. She was a swimmer and, and brought us up swimming and as athletes. You know, athletics was just in my house a, a huge thing. And when you, the more and more you get into athletics and the more serious you get about it, or really probably at any level, you have to have that time discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, your time is, is very limited. So you need to have discipline in order to compete in those sports. And, and so that's probably... Um, what's even transferred into my business life in terms mm-hmm. of how I, uh, you know, and then when you get to train for Ironman racing, um, because of the length of all three sports involved, it's essentially a part-time job. So you really have to have time commitment. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And and before we do talking about racing to register, I do want to talk a little bit, though, about what you've done in those moments throughout the years, because I'm sure this also applies to founding and funding your organization what do you do with the times that you're feeling discouraged or that there's just one barrier after another or there's something that goes wrong and, and it's feeling mm-hmm. like you can't meet that goal? That's also part of what I love to, to speak to, to groups about, which is anywhere, I think, whether it's in sports or in life, 
you're going to hit the proverbial wall. Just mm-hmm. like in, when you run a marathon, they call that hitting the wall. Mm-hmm. Everybody hits that at some point in their life. And I, I really think that it's, I, I, I was speaking to a guy who's an elite professional athlete and he said, he calls it the circle of positive thought, which I call it, now call it, which is you have to recognize those negative feelings, whether it's in life or business or relationships, they're going to enter your mind. And if you try and fight it, it's going to make it worse. You have to recognize when it comes in, acknowledge it, and then sort of let it pass through. That if you acknowledge those negative thoughts, um, because, you know, in a 13-hour in race for me, well, 13 hours for me, some people faster, it's going to happen. You know, and it's, it's, uh, you have to almost know that it's going to happen and acknowledge it. You can't ignore those negative thoughts. And one thing that I've done with, with whether it be difficult times in, in life or, uh, in racing, endurance racing, is to be curious. You know, that's a really powerful word. Mm-hmm. Curious. You know, don't fight it, but I'm kind of curious. You know, what's this going to feel like? What's it What's it going to be like when, I, when I'm when i feeling this way? You know, just kind of curious about what might be around the corner. Mm-hmm. And, if, and really, if you go into different situations with that attitude as compared to, oh, my God, you know, now here... I'm tired, I'm not sleeping enough, I've got to run another five miles, you, you're going to not make it. Absolutely, um, I agree with what your you're mind saying. Is, your right. mind is really a muscle, you know, and, and the more you create that muscle memory, and you know, I'm a big believer in, in visualization, huge believer in that. Mm-hmm. And even if it's in business, visualizing a positive outcome will, I'm convinced, get you there. I, I've had two major spine surgeries mm-hmm. in the last year and a half, and I literally saw myself back competing. Mm-hmm. I just imagine that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it's very powerful. I agree with you on that because I too have gone through living with cancer for eight years and so I know that a lot of it has to do with my attitude and my thoughts mm-hmm. and everything that I do with my life day to day. So I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And I want to go back to your statement about being curious because I think that speaks to when we decide to choose to be curious about things, we decide to overlook and overcome the fear. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I think because you're because of the very nature of being curious, you're. It's almost like I, I always say, control the situation, don't let the situation control you. Mm-hmm. And that sort of ties into being curious. Um, if we're if we're curious and we wonder, we're not going to fear we're going to be in charge of the fear rather than the fear being in charge of us. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a huge thing that's gotten me through a lot of races is mm-hmm. that curious factor. Mm-hmm. I like it. And, uh, humor, and, and humor, you know, joking. I'll, I'll run with people and, in a long race and I'll just have jokes. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of laughing at things, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, for example, in, in the Ironman in Hawaii, it's famous for its tremendous winds at one part. It can get up to 60 mile an hour sideways gusts. And I specifically remember back in October at one point, I just kind of laughed at it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, this is hilarious. Rather than people next to me that were completely fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Makes a lot of difference. I totally get that. Thank you for sharing that. We want to talk about your organization that you founded, Racing to Register. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what the organization does and what it's about and then share the story that led up to you founding that? Racing to Register org is, um, and it's T.O., Racing 2 Register, not the number two, was, I founded it on a whim, and we'll talk about why in a minute, but at my kitchen counter in October of 2009, I'd never even done a website. I found a really easy software, and I did it because I realized that people don't understand 
what it is to become a bone marrow donor or how to register for the National Marrow Registry. Um, through other experiences in my life, I realized that, you know, people know what the organ donation uh, gift of life is or the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, but there's only 7 million people out of our 300 million population that are in this registry. And in particular, in the inner cities, the, it's very difficult to get minorities. Uh, for example, the African-American population only makes up 7% of the registry. And what I also began to realize was that I couldn't get... Uh, the information that I wanted through various sources. So I said, okay, you know, we'll take it to the, to the people, if you will. So the site is really meant to be, A, uh, inspirational, meant by us doing these races, we're hopefully creating awareness and a platform, providing educational tools, uh, clinical research studies on stem cell and bone marrow transplantation, and patient resources. We're starting to add where you know, different hospitals or different pamphlets, and uh, we're trying to redo our website and redevelop it and have a forum I'd like to create for other patients to get in touch with each each other and exchange and, and create that community. But mainly, the thrust of it is to register people for that bone marrow registry, to get more diverse registry going. That makes sense, and I really love what you're doing. It's so important and very needed. Can you explain to the listeners what a bone marrow transplant is without getting too technical? Because there are people who really don't understand. They might have heard the word, but they don't know anything about it. It's actually a funny term because it's, in in my mind, you think transplant, you think surgery, opening up, you know, new organs. In terms of the actual procedure for the patient, it is, uh, it's done through IVs, but there's different types of transplants. There's actual stem cell transplant and then there's bone marrow transplant. And it depends on what the patient needs. But very simply uh, put, it is a, a process whereby uh, new stem cells from a donor or new marrow from a donor uh, who come from that registry are then provided to a, a patient who has uh, some sort of leukemia or cancer where their marrow is deteriorating. For example, there's there are different types of transplants. There's uh, the transplant where a patient can actually uh, receive his or her stem cells. Uh, then there's a transplant where a patient will rely on a donor because their marrow is just deteriorating. So there's stem cell and there's marrow. In terms of the donation process, once you're in the registry, someone calls you and says you match, uh, which is done through tissue typing. So if you join the registry, they're going to test your tissue. It's a tissue typing, not really a blood. You might match with someone. You go for further testing. They can either do it uh, through what's called a PDSC, which is a peripheral blood stem cell, where you are hooked up to an IV, and they actually take your take withdraw blood from one arm, extract your stem cells, and then put your blood back into your other arm so they circulate it back in. That's one way you can donate. And then those stem cells are provided to the patient. The other way is where it's actually done in an operating room uh, where they remove marrow through your, basically the lower portion of your back. Um, It's about an hour procedure. Now your marrow grows back immediately. It regenerates. So there's no danger that you'll never have this marrow. It's not like a kidney transplant where you, if you donate a kidney, you don't have that kidney anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're back, it's a same day procedure and you're out for a day and you're back at work in, in a couple of days. So those are the different types of A, donation and B, uh, transplants uh, that can happen. I just want to say that interestingly enough, only 60% of the people that need a, a donor will find one. 
Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, 40, 40%, I apologize, 60% uh, will not find one. Mm-hmm. 61% will not find a match. Mm-hmm. That statistic rises for minorities dramatically. Mm-hmm. And 75% will not match with a family member. A lot of people think, oh, if you have a sibling, you're going to match right away. Well, you're only 25% chance of matching within mm-hmm. the family. Mm-hmm. So people are, you know, in 10,000 people every year come into that registry. So 6,000 won't find a match. That's a, that's a tremendous number. Yes, it is. And to be tested, you simply get swapped, right? Your mouth, your saliva. Right. All it is is a, is a cheek swab. Um, you fill out an application. You have to be between 18 and 55. There are some other medical constraints, which you can go to getswabbed.org, or you can go to my website. But if you go directly to getswabbed.org, uh, they can actually mail you a testing kit in the mail. Completely painless. It, it's a swab of your cheek, and you mail it right back. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that information. I know it's um, needed in some parts of the world. People just are not aware of some of these issues or how simple it is to be a part of the registry or what they could do to help. But I want to ask then, based on that, what are some of the issues that people would need a bone marrow transplant? Uh, Well, there's all kinds of leukemias. whereby a person's, uh, for example, I'll, I'll take one, which is in my family. Uh, my wife has a, a disease called myelofibrosis, and that's a deterioration of your bone marrow. So over time, her bone marrow actually becomes scarred, deteriorates, so she has none. She relies on a new donor to give her, you know, new marrow, essentially. Interestingly enough, as a side note, a lot of times the recipient can receive the same uh, eye color. Their eye color can actually change to the donors, which I always think is pretty interesting. Mm. There's the leukemia such as CML, uh, which is a leukemia where, you know, your stem cells start to deteriorate. Um, So those are sort of the different types of, of things that would facilitate a transplant. Unfortunately, when you get to that stage, it's really, you know, kind of at the end and people are really relying on a, on a donor to save their life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's why it's so important to bring education and awareness to this issue and to let people know that they could save a life very simply, really. And I appreciate that you're here to share that with all of us and that you've started the organization. And so back to your wife, she was really the founding reason as to why you went forward and started racing to to register. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, Pam was diagnosed in, uh, well, we were married in 1996, and about two years later, she was diagnosed with a disease called uh, essential thrombocythemia. We'll call it ET for short, um, which is a disease whereby the, the platelets become uh, elevated, and uh, you can produce four times as many platelets as uh, as you may need. Um, unfortunately, at times that disease can then convert to what's called myelofibrosis, which is a scarring and a deterioration of the bone marrow, which is what unfortunately happened to her. Um, and the only cure for that is, is a bone marrow transplant. She's an only child. She didn't match with anybody else in her family. And so over time, we started to look for a, for a donor, and we, just, we found what they call 9 of 10 match, which is just what it sounds like. It's a near perfect, but not perfect. Mm-hmm. And you really obviously want to try and find that perfect match. Mm-hmm. We didn't find it, and, and so we still haven't found it, and, and that's kind of why I started the organization. Decided to start the organization, and you're also, through that, 
trying to raise funds for kits and things like that? The, the site really has grown almost organically. Uh, we've gotten press, thankfully, but um, we only have just applied to become an official 501c3 in the United States, which is a nonprofit uh, designation by the government. But we we started it, and, and the purpose of uh, our fundraising at this point is really threefold. One is to donate funds to clinical research. The other one is to uh, pay for testing kits. People you know, it costs 65 U.S. dollars for every kit that we would send to someone to get tested or have someone come to a drive and mm -hmm. get tested. Mm -hmm. And we also want to give money to families whose uh, children have had a transplant and who can't afford the aftercare. Mm -hmm. A lot of, there's a lot of people that don't have insurance or whose parents have to work. Both parents need to work. Mm -hmm. Child comes home and needs that aftercare. One has to stop working. So we're trying to, uh, you know, donate funds or a large portion of funds in that area. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. Great idea that you're putting all that together under one umbrella, so to speak. Can you share mm -hmm. with the listeners then some more of your feelings surrounded with finding out about your wife's diagnosis and, you know, the things that you felt initially as far as what what are you going to do next? What is this all about? Because part of what our show is is about helping people to understand how we deal with our stories. That's the things in our lives that come up out of the blue that sometimes shock us, sometimes, you know, completely change our path. And I would love for you to be able to share how this has changed your life and what you've learned from it and then what you would suggest to others who may face something that, like this. Well, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly, we've had it in our life for so long, it would be interesting not to have it. But, you know, it's funny, I, it's going to sound very strange, but I look at this disease almost as a gift, um, a gift in terms of my being able to now, if we didn't have this, I probably would have never started racing to register and never found potential matches for people. So, you know, in terms of how you deal with it, which I think was your first question, am I right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost uh, like you have to take it head on. Uh, you can't ignore the elephant in the room. And, and uh, you know, we try and, and live our life the same as we would in any other way. Um, you know, certainly Pam hasn't limited her activities too much, but I'm, I'm thankful in a way that we have this disease because it's really, every time we go to the cancer center, it's shown me, they say you leave your troubles at the door and the reality of it is you really do. Mm -hmm. There are people who would kill to go outside and just breathe fresh air. Mm -hmm. So it kind of puts everything really, I mean, it really does put everything in perspective. You know, who cares if, if somebody cuts you off on the road? I mean, really, there's there's people that are fighting for their lives. So I think it's helped me truly put everything in perspective. You know, if I want to leave work one day early, I leave early. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if I want to stay, I stay late. I mean, there's, there's much, no one ever says to you at the end of your life, yeah, I wish, or I wish I worked longer. They might say, I wish I spent more time with my family. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, I think the disease has, has really shown me that in terms of how you deal with it. I, I think, you know, maybe starting the racing to register is my way of uh, going through in some way the, uh, with her the, and doing triathlons and sort of suffering that maybe she's going through. I've said that before to people. But I, I, I do think how you deal with something catastrophic or difficult in your life is to take it head on and acknowledge it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, again, acknowledging those negative feelings. Don't fight it because it'll be bigger than you. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. The reality of it is we're bigger than these issues. Mm -hmm. I think also finding an outlet um, whether that's a uh, a group 
there's a lot of great support groups out there mm-hmm. or other people who are going through it. Um, that helps a lot to talk about things. Mm-hmm. You know, getting outside, getting physical activity, even if it's walking. The worst thing you can do, you know, I'll be honest with you, I did this in the beginning. I got out of racing. I became a partier. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to the other extreme, and I was really at the other extreme, and uh, that wasn't helping anybody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't helping my wife. It wasn't definitely not helping me. It wasn't helping our relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, the only the only thing it was doing was uh, taking me down a really bad path, mm-hmm. and I just stayed inside all the time. Mm-hmm. Getting out and doing things, and, you know, I wasn't acknowledging it. Right. Once I started to acknowledge it, um, it, it certainly helped. There's a lot of great support groups, too, for families. It is much more difficult in some ways, I think, for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, the patients that are kind of, they're almost not in control, but they're the ones that are in it. You know, we're, we're the ones that are uh, the family that that is unsure, that isn't going through it. So we've got to worry not only about them, but about us, about our futures. And I would say it's know? a feeling of helplessness. So as you said, a lot of times I think that's pretty normal that initially the family will just be in denial and not do anything because they feel helpless and out of control. Right. That makes sense. I really appreciate you sharing those feelings and thoughts because I think that's important for people to understand that, you know, we don't just wake up and say, hey, we're going to do this and do that and we'll face it this way. I mean, most of us go through that period of mourning, loss, um, denial, depression, whatever it is. And, of course, we all handle that differently. But as you've mentioned today, you've done something to work out of that place and to be in a place where you're actually doing something not just for the better of your own family but for so many people, which is awesome. I also think, by the way, that... You know, I, I I tell people, and I've you know I didn't used to do this very much, but try and do something positive or do something for someone else every day. You know, mm-hmm. do a do a a, a nice deed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that can even be holding the door for somebody. And I I promise you, if you do that every day, it'll change your attitude. Mm-hmm. You'll become a more positive person. I the other thing I I I think that you know you want to kind of I want to relate to people is I heard Michael J. Fox speak. And if you've ever heard him, he's the most incredibly positive person you've ever met in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, listen, I'll be honest, I'm not always the most positive guy. Everybody has times like that where they're not the most positive person. Mm-hmm. But uh, he once said that uh, the question was, well, how do you deal with the fact that you know Parkinson's is going to kill you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's going to uh, hit you at some point. And it's going to potentially end your life. He said, well, you know, I look at it like sitting in the middle of the street. I know the bus is coming down the street. Mm-hmm. And I know the bus is going to hit me at some point. Now, I can either use that time to worry about getting hit and so forth, or I can use that time to figure out a way to reroute the bus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a great sort of uh, saying, if you will. Right. That's an awesome analogy. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Great end to the story that you shared with us today. Can you share with our listeners how they would find out more about Racing to Register, what they could do to help, and how they would find out uh, to reach you to contact yep. you about speaking? Um, there's really two major ways. You can go to our Facebook page, which is Racing to Register. That's Racing and then T-O Register. You can contact us through through that, or you can certainly go to my website. There's a contact page on there. That's racing2register.org or .com. And you can also email me at racing2register at gmail.com. 
And um, we're, we, we actually don't charge for speaking. We'll go anywhere. We just ask someone to, to make a donation, but I love to do it and, and uh, happy to, to, to tell different messages that we have. I was going to just tell you real quickly why, I don't know if I answered the question about why people have different transplants and so forth, but uh, there's a question that I get a lot, which is, you know, can't they have chemo and won't that help someone get better? And the fact of the matter is that large doses of chemo and uh, radiation while they're required to sort of destroy these abnormal stem cells or blood cells, mm -hmm. those therapies only kill the abnormal cells, but they can also destroy the normal cells that are found in the, uh, in the bone marrow. That's right. So it's kind of a positive negative, if you will. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And before we go, uh, give the audience, if you will, one thought from your circle of positive thoughts for today. My thought is control the situation. Don't let the situation control you. I like it. Thank you, Tom, very much for joining us today, for sharing a part of your story and talking about your organization, Racing to Register. And I wish you the best in your endeavors and all that you're doing. And I hope anyone in the audience who needs more information or who is facing this situation will go to Tom's website, find out more, educate yourself, become aware of what you can do. And if you get a chance, get out there and put yourself on the register. It's just a simple swab and you're in there. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a great program.